All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 8 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Odd Shark. I'm your host, Brock Segan. We got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. How's it going, boys? It's good. Uh, this is my one interaction uh, a week outside of my household, so it's it's nice to you know talk to some some new faces and uh, you know the uh, the couple thousand listeners that we had the last couple weeks. So good good to you know get out there and have some interactions. Other than that, how about you, D? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in. We got some hockey to watch, <laughs> so it's not it's not all bad. Yeah, it could be much worse. Yeah. Thank God hockey's back because it's given us something to do for sure. Um, I feel like streams have never been higher. Like, there's no way that NHL uh, TV isn't making a killing right now. I mean, it's the same for all sports, but uh, what else is there to do other than watch the 7 o'clock and then toss on the 10 o'clock? Literally nothing. Um, it was so funny, actually, because my one one of my close friends, he just started playing hockey or, like, fantasy hockey, like, seriously this year, and he had nothing else to do. He's like, I never listen to podcasts. He's like, but I – threw on like your podcast and he's like, I'm, I'm hooked. He's like, I just started listening to old episodes even after my drafts were over. He's like, I'm just hooked. And then he's like, my favorite part though, the whole that. episode, he's like, I don't know if it's Biebs or D, but that, whoever goes, <sighs> when you say odd shark is my favorite part of the whole episode. No so. one knows. No one knows. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, actual shark that we have. It's our, it's our mascot for the pod. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, yeah, like you, you kind of just alluded to Biebs. We had a, 
a huge yeah, big thanks to the for listeners the, for the last uh, our last episode, which is great. So thank you to you guys. Thanks for tuning in every single episode. But uh, boys, um, you know nothing crazy to talk about this first week, but we are going to get into some waiver wire stuff. Talk about some some uh, some early risers, some early fallers in terms of you know um, the one week that they played. I mean, we got the Dallas Stars haven't even played a game yet, so nothing, <laughs> nothing too crazy going on. Like we uh, we like to reiterate every single year. You know, don't panic um, and just start dropping guys super early. But at the same time, this is kind of a different year uh, in terms of the length of, and you, and you don't want to hold on to somebody too long during a cold streak. So we're going to kind of just break down some of the guys that are hot, some of the guys that are cold, uh, talk about them and, and what you should do with them if, if you own them. Um, and then we'll get to some waiver wire pickups. You guys uh, ready for yeah. that? Yeah. And like any, uh, any college university professor told you, um, we're going to say something twice. And so write it down. Uh, do not panic. That's, uh, that's like our, our main point of this whole segment, but let's jump in there, Brock. All right, so yeah, let's start with the risers. Start this thing off on a high note and talk about some of the guys that have really um, improved their fantasy stock over the first week of the season. And we're going to start with 80% owned Semyon Varlamov. Uh, we were talking about Varlamov before the draft as one of a Yeah, did someone have guys. him as their sleeper? Yeah, we did. We talked about him as a sleeper going way, who, too, who was way, that? way too late in drafts. I think that might have been you, Biebs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I totally for a second, but yeah, he was, he was going way too late in drafts and you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of other sites and stuff and podcasts. I saw a lot of people extremely high on Elias Sorokin um, and for good measure, he's a good young goalie, but I didn't really yeah. understand why he was going um, higher than Varlamov in some drafts. I still felt like Varlamov was the number one coming into the season. And uh, you know, his first two starts, he has posted back-to-back shutout. So obviously a really strong start to the season for Semyon Varlamov. Not going to let Nicole all year. Yeah, he's, he's up one nothing Hot right take. now too, as we go right now. But uh, still available in 20%. Seven straight periods. Yes. 20% of leagues he's still available in. So if he's somebody that's available in your league, obviously, uh, we, you know, we've talked about it over the years that this is a team uh, that usually plays pretty stout defense uh, to defense first mentality for the Islanders. And if, if he's still available on the wire in your league, I would definitely be uh, checking that and picking up Semyon Varlamov. Yeah. Um, like you said, didn't get much respect going into the draft and uh, people are starting to realize now he's definitely probably the hottest goaltender um, in the league. And uh, all we need for Simeon Varlamov is just Cal Clutterbuck to not shoot pucks at him during warmups and he should have a pretty good year. So, um, so yeah, I think this is a team that's, we're seeing it. They're incredibly defensive, defensively sound. Um, losing Devin Taze has not hurt their back end. And, uh, and yeah, we, we see hockey from the, or we've seen great hockey for the last couple of years. And uh, I think it's just going to pay off for another good year for our boys, Simeon Varlamov. Yeah. I think uh, like, like you said, Brock, they're a team that's not going to give up a lot of shots and he's always uh, been a pretty consistent goaltender in terms of his save percentage um, and ex- uh, save percentage above uh, expected. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a really solid source of uh, splits this season. Uh, and should be able to cave out some W's as well, and apparently some shutouts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny, actually, the first couple names we're going to talk about are all guys that we were touting in the preseason, which that, you know, that's pretty good for the brand right Holds there. Well, yeah. Uh, um, so also, another thing, too, is uh, for the, all the Sorokin hype, realistically, um, just whoever's been hyping them, take all that information and just pass it along in about for about two years just hold on to it stash it and then in two years we'll talk about it but uh but I clearly um, varlamov is have, the guy i still think Sorokin yeah, is gonna have some value because they're not gonna ride varlamov into the ground no not 100 his, his yeah. injury uh history but still i 
I would much prefer having Varlamov. I still think he st- he starts probably sixty percent of the games, and the way he's oh, been yeah, playing, I think you're right. Especially with those injuries, they have been groin injuries too in the past, and that's a thing for goaltenders where you can really limit with a little bit of time. So, so yeah, I think I think you're right with the sixty forty. So I'll take all sixty percent of those starts. Absolutely. Uh, okay, somebody that I was extremely high on, and I know you guys uh, you guys liked him as well in the preseason was Capri. Kirill Kaprizov, uh, I, I thought like kind of like the sky's the limit for this kid. I looking at his KHL numbers and and watching a couple of YouTube highlights was enough to sell him uh, on. And he's been terrific in Minnesota. We kind of talked about how they don't really have any centers, uh, but Kaprizov, even uh, Kevin Fiala, who we'll talk a little bit more later in the show, uh, have got off to pretty good starts. Um, Kaprizov, you know, game-winning goal in, his, in overtime in his first game, uh, game-winning yeah, assist in, in overtime in his second game. So far, five points, one goal, four assists uh, in his first four games. So uh, we kind of, you know, Minnesota was a team that I said that I, I was I was sneaky high on them uh, just because they are so good defensively. Cam Talbot was a guy that I kind of liked just at the very end of your draft. Um, and so far, so good for Minnesota. They, they, they've been, you know, they're just so stout defensively. They're not going to score a ton, but uh, it looks like whenever they do score, it's going to be Kirill Kaprizov. D, what do you got to add on Kaprizov? Yeah, he looks really good. Um, just seven shots in the four games, but he does have 17 shot attempts. So that's uh, a pretty um, unique disparity there between, you know, just landing seven of the 17 shot attempts on goal. So, so many shots getting uh, blocked. Yeah. But, uh, so I, yeah. And you actually, it's funny. It shows up in his Fenwick as well to pair to his course. He's at a 54% course. He threw the four game, a 47% Fenwick, uh, which obviously factors in shot blocks. Um, whereas course he counts them as shot attempts. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, having maybe a little bit of trouble getting pucks through, but like I said, that's not something that uh, I would expect to continue throughout the season. Um, playing a ton, I would expect him to kind of settle in around two to three shots per game. That doesn't seem to be, core of his game he seems to be really astute playmaker really creative uh an innovative player looks really good on the puck um so i think he's gonna end up you know being a pretty steady source of assist this year on the power play just based off what we've seen through four games look like he's gonna be handed a pretty big role um so yeah he seems like a really solid asset early on and uh obviously haven't seen anything that i don't like out of him so far yeah, not much more I can say on Cap on Kaprizov there. Um, he's, I've heard comparisons to Marion Gabbard 2.0, and I think that's uh, hilarious because they're just like, hey, hey, we've had foreign player here before. Let's just put them together, even though they're different nationality. But yeah, Kaprizov has been a nice surprise. And one thing that really stands out for me is that they are playing him that heavy on the three on threes. Um, like we've seen, it's led to two points already, including a GWG. We love that. Um, so Kaprizov is clearly already um, an early option to, you know, be out there when the time matters and really when they need goals in Minnesota. Yeah. I kind of likened him to like the, the Panarins and the, the Dadanovs that come over from Russia, uh, you know, as rookies, but at an advanced age and, and really do kind of have point per game success uh, in their first year. And so far it's been a good start. It looks like he's probably the most uh, talented forward on that team. Um, and speaking of shots, I mean, it is hard to, to generate many shot attempts on a power play when Kevin Fiala is out there just ripping every single thing that uh, comes towards <laughs> him. That guy has never met a shot he doesn't like. But uh, D, we're going to go back to you to start here because this is a guy that I know that you, oh, you're you, doing you this. are not a big fan of, but he's looked absolutely terrific. Looks like a totally different hockey player here in year two. And that's 72% owned. Jack Hughes uh, had a four point night the other night. It did end up getting taken away from him on an offside, still just a three point night. Uh, but Jack Hughes, you know, a t- I think he's at the top of the NHL in points right now. Uh, you know, D, I guess, with a few talk, us, talk us off of Jack Hughes. 
Well, you know, he's got a 28% shooting percentage uh, and a 22.7 on ice shooting percentage. But obviously that's to be expected when he has two points a game so far, right? Uh, the biggest surprise to me is that, you know, he's 19 years old and he's playing 20 minutes a night right now. So mm-hmm. um, obviously we weren't expecting him to see um, that kind of usage this year, which is why I was so low on him in redraft leagues that even if there is some potential that he hadn't flashed uh, in his in the first season, um, that, you know, the really the, the roles seem to be kind of capped and you really wouldn't expect him to get close to that kind of usage. So um, that's been the main surprise for me. And then obviously, like I said, he's been pretty fortunate um, with the shooting percentage and the on-ice shooting percentage. But like I said, there's a long way for that to fall fall down where he could still be a viable asset. Um, so to me, you know, obviously <laughs> with the talent to go first overall and he's still just 19 years old, he's obviously a guy that's worth owning right now. Um, but there's red flags all over his underlying numbers. It's just really tough to kind of pinpoint where he's going to settle in um, when he's, like I said, averaging two points a game right now, just through those three games. But um, if the usage holds up, it's going to be interesting. I would imagine if he's playing 20 minutes a night, it's going to be worth owning the plus minus. I can't imagine it's going to be too great. Um, still getting out possession, out shot pretty heavily at even strength. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's one to watch for sure. Obviously he's worth, pick up uh because there's clearly some upside there um and yeah obviously a little bit surprised to see him offering some value uh, already at this point yeah I, I think the one thing that um catches my eye with Hughes is I think he's actually like a pretty good early season sell high candidate uh because that usage is going to come down once Nico Heischer arrives right yep. like once Nico Heischer is mm-hmm. there he's going to be playing less they're going to that's that's a minute or even two minutes off every yeah, single game. Yeah, and I think so too. And like obviously, you know, he's shooting you know twenty five percent or whatever now. But then he's also a guy who struggled last year by shooting five percent. So it's not like he's this elite shooter. I do like I was looking at that lines numbers as a whole, and they really aren't generating a whole lot. It seems like they're basically just cashing in on every single chance that they get like you know granted he does look much better than he did last year and i expect he him looks, to be much he, better he looks really good out he there. does look good but i just think that uh it, I, I still don't think it is going to be a team that scores a ton of goals this season and it's um i think to me if i owned him right now which i don't in any of my leagues i might be looking to sell high because there is a lot of like you know people thinking like oh he is a first overall pick he is going to be outstanding this is who we, you know what i mean i think like you're going to get more in return for him than you probably should uh, after the super hot start to add yeah. on to that too brock he's a guy where throughout his whole career even uh, back in the us development program he was an assist for sky we saw 34 goals and 78 assists back in the day which is crazy um 2 years ago with the development program that shows you know uh, you, even now that that he's going to be an assist first guy going into his career here we've talked about it before you can find assist first guys all over the place um so if you can move him for someone decent right now and someone who scores goals I- I don't think you're going to see that many out of Hughes. D talked about a 28% shooting percentage is not, is not something you can keep up only seven shots this far. Um, so for me, it, I just pick sell high candidate. Um, all, everything he's ever done just shows he, he's a guy who's going to get those, those apples before he gets goals. So, uh, so for yeah. me, you know, it's been great to see back Hughes back in it. Even one of his assists, I was watching the game and he just kept a puck in, threw it down the boards. Another guy grabbed it, passed it in front. So it wasn't like, it's not like he's absolutely dominating play, but he does pass the eye test a lot more this year than he has uh, or than he did last year. Um, the, those 14 pounds he threw on camp that we, that people talk so much about is there. Um, but yeah, Jack, Jack Hughes, sell high candidate. Get on that. Um, let's yeah, do it. Oh, sorry. 
No, I just wanted to say too, just adding on to it. I, like I said, I think we're going to see, even when he comes back, um, just based off the usage we've seen so far, it seems we're at least going to get a really good look at Jack Hughes this season. Um, and he'll get every chance to produce. So that's why I think he's worth owning. But yeah, obviously there's red flags all over the place, but we thought his zone start should be percentage last that. year was high, was high at 59%. It's at 71% right now, which is insane considering, like I said, he's playing 20 minutes a night. So I, I don't even know how do you even do that. Basically, every single time they're getting an ozone draw, like Jack Hughes is going over the board. Well, yeah, so. I mean, and th- that's what I was gonna say is like <laughs> it, basically right now their their lines like their second and third line are Zaka and Zajac, who are like really good two way centers that play shutdown. So like right now, like every single game, Jack Hughes is going out there starting every uh, zone like in the offensive zone every single time, and it's he's playing almost all of his minutes against the other team's fourth lines. Like <laughs> he's like there, he's getting right. the cushiest matchups in the world. So once he sure comes back, you know, Gusev brat, he sure will probably be a thing and they'll be able to, um, you know, at least have another slightly offensive line in, in addition to Jack Hughes's line. But right now it's basically like Zaka and say, Jack, make sure they don't score on us. And Hughes go out there and get us the goal basically. Um, so yeah, it should come down a little bit, obviously. It's not going to be up there all season long, but his usage is it is interesting when you're playing against the other team's fourth lines most nights, um, until Matt Martin gets a hold of them and that 14 pounds doesn't matter so much anymore. Uh, but let's stick with the devils here for a minute uh, and talk about Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh 69% owned. D, this is a guy that you've been high off, higher on than most over the years. Uh, and he's come out looking red hot this season. Uh, you know, he started uh, 2-0-1 with a 190 goals against average, 948 save percentage. Uh, he just made like 50 stops the other night, looking terrific. But then today he came down um, with COVID-19, or at least was added to the COVID-19 protocol list, missed uh, Thursday's game against the Islanders. Scott Wedgwood got the start. So um, obviously we don't really know what, what to expect. This is you know a situation where he could miss 14 days. Uh, who knows what it is? So I, I don't think we need to talk too much about Blackwood now that he's on the COVID-19 list. But if, if uh, keep an eye on daily faceoff, and if he doesn't end up missing too, too much time, um, then I, I would definitely, uh, you know, be interested yeah, in that. It's just a contact thing. Um, if he is, I guess, I guess you should say if he is available in your league, he's worth a pickup for sure. Uh, cause he looks like one of the better goalies in the league right now. And then you can, uh, you can stash him on your IR IR plus while he's out with COVID and then get a goalie back here in the next couple weeks. Uh, you, I guess I can let you add a couple things. I know you, you love the guy. Yeah. Well, I, he's obviously still a very young goaltender. still just 24 years old. Um, I like him because he's never, um, you know, he's never really wavered from what we've seen from him so far. Uh, 918 save percentage his first year, 915 last year. So um, really solid splits. They obviously just don't look so great um, when you've got the Devils playing in front of you. So that's obviously the real hamper on his upside, the real knock on his value. But I still think, uh, like you said, he's a really talented goaltender. Um, and he seems to be someone that you can really trust uh, in, in the better matchup. So you got to play the matchup game with him, of course, this season. Uh, I don't think any of us anticipate the Devils to really be a threat in that division. Um, but in the right matchups, he can definitely uh, provide some great fantasy value. Yeah. Well, even so far, too, I mean, I've had him in two leagues and I've, I've thought about doing the matchup thing. I played the first game I, I, uh, with, the, the, with him in against a terrible matchup. Was thinking, you know what? We'll give him the shot. He did it. So right now you can almost he is at the point where you, you, you start him every game. But um, but you're right. If you can pick the matches of this guy, he's going to dominate the lesser teams. But he's dominating the better teams right now, too. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive Blackwood fan. 
<laughs> hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. Hopefully it's just like a contact tracing thing, but all right, let's talk about one more um, at, at length here. And then we'll kind of run through a, a, a list of names that have got off to a hot start. Another guy that we were ridiculously high on had him as a breakout candidate this year was Nick Suzuki. And he has looked every bit the part uh, through the first few games. Uh, he's been drawing comparisons across the hockey Twitters um, to Patrice Bergeron early in his career here. He's got, uh, one goal, three assists, four points in his first four games of the season. Uh, he's playing 17 uh, minutes, almost 19, or sorry, almost 18 minutes a night, which is up uh, to almost two full minutes from a season ago. Uh, Josh Anderson looks really good as well. Uh, and that line's just been terrific for them. And, you know, Jonathan Drouin struggled a little bit. Maybe it's only a matter of time before Tyler Toffoli moves up there. Uh, who knows? But so far, Nick Suzuki looks every bit uh, the part of a breakout. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that gave up Max Patch ready for. This is what they expected. Um, we've talked about them kind of, you know, how good the Deneau line has been, but it's not necessarily a, he's not a first line center uh, Deneau isn't, or your standard one. Um, so maybe we found ourselves our first line center. We've been, you've especially been high on him, Brock. We've been high on this guy point per game right now. Um, he be, beyond passes the eye test. Um, and, you know, if he is Bergeron, then maybe he's just a little bit better out there than he is in fantasy. But as a whole, I still want anyone who's close to Bergeron on my squad. Uh, big Nick Suzuki fan. Yeah, I'd love to see him and Anderson continue to climb up that depth chart. I think whether it's Tyler Toffoli or Jonathan Drouin on the left wing there, or even Thomas Tatar, um, potentially. I think it's a really um, a really effective first line. And I, like I said, I'd like to see more of them, and I'd like to see them um, get some of those better matchups, which you can definitely afford to do um, with the Deneau and even the Kock and Yemi lines uh, potentially playing behind it. So, yeah, we, we've said it for years. We're huge fans of Montreal 1. Um, but, I, I mean, I know they Imagine feel probably really – Yeah, I, I understand why they lean on them as much as they do. They're a coach's dream. You're basically in control of the game whenever the three of them are on the ice. Um, they own the puck. But uh, I think if this team is up to push on to the next level, you really need to see what that Suzuki line can bring. Uh, and then you can still rely on, you know, Dano and Gallagher to give you 17, 18 solid minutes a night against your opposition's uh, top line. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they continue to grow. I'm really excited about the the two of them. And, yeah, I think you get dealer's choice of whoever you want to stick on the left wing on that line. Yeah, it's crazy, actually. I uh, I had a tweet go – I wouldn't say viral, but it, it made its rounds. I think I ended up with, like, a 1,000 likes. Well. One, of, one of my uh, well. highest, you know, traffic tweets ever. I couldn't believe – because, like, I was watching that game, and, like, that line just seems to dominate play all the time. This, speaking of to know. Um, so I looked it up, and I could not believe that it was Thomas Fleischman – and what the hell is the other guy's name? name. Uh, and Dale Weiss to Chicago. And they yeah. ended up getting um, Deneau back in the pick that they used to draft Alexander Romanoff. It was just incredible. I couldn't believe it. Like, that's the greatest trade ever. And the, the two guys going to stud too. Yeah. The, I, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but the two guys Chicago got, like, they played like 30 games for them. They got bounced in the first round. It just turned out to be a terrible deal. But, um, you know, even Cockney could have been like, with those great third liners. Yeah. Even Cockney at me has, uh, has looked pretty solid this year too. So there's center depth there is really good, but um, let's go through just a, a list here quickly of other guys that have really kind of uh, started hot and guys that we've been high on in the past. And, you know, you just love to see it. Uh, the first one would be Matt Dumba, still only 62% owned two goals, one assist uh, in his first four games. This is a guy who we were extremely high on and had him as a breakout a season ago. And he really let everybody down, but it's good to see him kind of get off to a, to a hot start here. Um, Jacob Chikrin, another guy that we've talked about in the past, but he's never really been given uh, 
the the full run. Um, and now that Oliver Ekman Larson appears this to be out for, year, for a couple weeks, uh, at the very least, uh, Chikrin is, you know, he's been on the first power play unit. He's looked terrific so far. Uh, one goal, yep. four assists, five points in his first four games. Uh, he's playing over 22 minutes a night again. Um, and I think the most important thing about Chikrin, especially just being on power play one and all that, is that a lot of these other guys that struggled in Arizona last year uh, have really looked really good so far this season. Phil Kessel uh, kind of looks more like Phil Kessel this year. Clayton Keller has kind of returned to his early career form. Um, and he's been actually a really nice pair with Derek Broussard. Uh, so a lot of those other guys that you'd ex- you would expect. has got to a be- great shot too. Oh, and he's got an absolute cannon. Um, yeah. But yeah, Clayton yeah. Keller, I just mentioned him. He's another guy who's been off to a nice start, 39% owned. Um, Joel Farabee climbed up to 41% after a four-point <laughs> debut. Um, I, you know, like I I saw a lot of people saying, like, you got to go drop somebody Classic and pick this that. guy up right away. And I was like, man, like I watched that whole game. And He's they getting were like, beats two times. And it was like three assists that were like secondary assists where he just like, you know, he didn't really create anything. It was just kind of bizarre. But I mean, the way the way the injuries are going in Philadelphia right now, uh, he is still going to be seeing top six minutes and he is still somebody uh, worth taking a look at for sure. Um, Devon Taves is somebody we I don't know about 41 percent, though. Yeah, you, like he's he's right around that it's area, like lot. where you would be, can, where you'd be considering picking him up right now if he stays in the top six. Um, Devon Taves is somebody we mentioned as a sleeper playing with Kale McCarr so far so good. He's still just thirty four percent owned. If that Looks. drop pass, that I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen on on Twitter wherever uh, NHL posted on their Instagram. Gerard and Taze have this drop pass play that's worked two of three games so far this year, and it's led to two goals for Taze and two assists for Gerard. And this is all they're even even strength. So if they can do that, you know, four more times all year, he has at least six goals on that broken play. Um, I would crazy. like to see him shoot the puck more. He's a lot shot more just twice, and both times it's gone in. Um, <laughs> it's the drop pass. He won't hit anything else. So yeah, I'm I'm not sold on Taze yet. I like you said, I, obviously McCarr is there. I don't love you know being uh, a secondary option, and then I still think Gerard's um, you know just as capable of a two way defenseman. I like Taves, um, but I'm not convinced he's going to hold value in standard redraft leagues mm-hmm. this year. Um, Got to be shooting the puck more than that. The one thing yeah, that also, is really nice about Taves is he's up near 23 minutes a night, which is almost uh, two and a half minutes more than he played a season ago. So the usage is definitely there. Byram Byram started he, tonight, though. Yeah, Byram's going to be. Yeah, Byram's Byram's making his debut tonight. Um, I talked about it on my DFS show before we came on here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see like who he takes power play time away from. If it's uh, if it's a forward and they go two D on each unit, or if it's. Uh, if it's Gerard or if it's Taves, I would imagine it's probably Taves. Um, so that's definitely something worth keeping an eye on tonight. Uh, a couple more guys really quick. Pavel Butchnevich, just 30% owned right now. Uh, he, uh, They're still searching for stuff right now. They're still trying to figure it out. Panarin's been off to a slow start. Uh, Zabanejad's been off to a slow start. The team as a whole just really hasn't gotten out of the gate uh, the way they would have liked. But Butchnevich is expected to skate on the second line or first line, whichever way you want to look at it, with Artemi Panarin on Friday. Uh, so that's definitely a spot. You know, Lafreniere was there last game, didn't do much. Lafreniere is now up with Zabanejad. Uh, Butchnevich, 30% owned on um, Panarin's line. And I had to throw him in there, but Bobby Ryan up there near the top of the league lead in goals. You saw that. 21% owned. He's got four goals in four games. See who's right, Buck? Pardon Andreas me? Andreas Athena, see you? 
Yeah, in LA. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got a goal in every game so far this season as well. But yeah, four goals That's in three games hilarious. for Bobby Ryan. Uh, but he is shooting 57%. So I wouldn't be uh, clamoring the waiver wire for sustainable. Uh, Athanasiu is an interesting one because he's still only playing 15 minutes tonight. And have you guys seen Alex that follows ice time? He's played over 22 minutes in each of their first three games. I've watched someone, like two of them. Can someone please try one, to explain it's against that. the Avs? Dude, their their whole lineup is just a jumble. Like I don't. That guy's just that guy's just useless, though. I think like we we know this at this point, right? He's played twenty minutes a night for like each of the last three seasons with Kopitar, well, and like the, can't manage more than half a point a game. If that. I I think the one thing is especially like at at Kopitar's advanced like age, like especially tonight, like they've got Kempi up there with Iafalo and Kopitar, and it's like literally just only to shut down McKinnon's line. Like that's all, I think that's all. It's just like a shutdown yeah. line at this point. It's they don't, too much. Yeah. It's, it's, too, too, it's too much. Too much time. No question. Like Andy's on power play one though, too. That's the part that I don't understand. No, You've that's got, what I mean. They clearly, it was they clearly see the something in him that no one else does. He's 27 years old <laughs> at this point. Last year is his best season Prospect. ever. 43 points in 70 games last year. Um, but needed a 12% shooting percentage and 9.3 on ice to do it. And yeah, played 20 minutes a night last year too. So I, I don't get I don't it. Hopefully that. after the see his ice time goes up because we've never really seen that happen. Before. He's like noticeably their best offensive player out there. Well, mostly because I've watched Kopitar, like Brock said, you know, shut down McKinnon. So he just kind of has to adjust his game. But Athanasiu is, again, I've said I test a lot, but, but as far as the guy, no, test, he, he is, he, he's so fast and he's got super good hands, yeah. but he struggles on the defensive side of the puck, which is why, Coaches often don't trust Absolutely. him to play a bunch of minutes. Uh, but he, too, also has three goals on three shots, shooting 100% this season. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably not sustainable. Uh, eight shot attempts, though, so I've got a couple blocked out there. But, all right, let's talk about guys who have struggled out of the gate. Obviously, we're not going to tell you to drop these guys, uh, at least, you know, yeah. maybe not most of them. But we just chill. let's talk about just a couple of these guys to try to ease your mind if you're panicking. I actually saw – um, at the very top of one of the comments on daily faceoff today was somebody's like, what, like, what do I do? Like two of my top picks were Elias Pedersen and Evgeny Malkin, and they have been slow out of the gate. And those are the two guys I want to talk about off the top Half better. Um, <laughs> uh, Evgeny, Evgeny <laughs> Malkin, he did finally get on the board in their last game. Uh, but he, he did not look right. The first, uh, first couple games of the year, like struggling on breakaways, just struggling overall. Uh, but it's 10 shots in four games. Yeah, it hasn't been a great start for Malkin, uh, but I, I mean, it's hard to talk about these guys because, like, obviously I'm not worried too much about Malkin, but, yeah, the shot volume is definitely concerning. Malkin's the type of guy that you would expect to maybe need a few games to get up to speed at this point in his yeah. career, too, um, and maybe miss a training camp more than most um, and a full-fledged preseason. So something to keep in mind, but, yeah, um, getting buried at even strength right now, 41%. Uh, Corsi, and they're basically just being nice, still giving him the ice time, at least through the first few games. They're giving him time, obviously, to sort it out because um, they're dominating the puck otherwise. They're at uh, over 59% uh, when Melkin's off the ice. So uh, those 20 minutes have been pretty um, pretty destructive to the Penguin season so far. They've managed to overcome it the other night. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's troubling. But like I said, he's the type of guy that you would kind of expect to need uh, some time to round it into shape and round it into form. So maybe more than Pedersen, it's a little bit less surprising. Um, but yeah, the underlying numbers are a little bit troubling to be sure, but I'm definitely, he's a, obviously a guy you need to give more time to. Yeah, definite by low surprising can, candidate right now. If you can uh, get your hands on him, 
Uh, this only reminded me, Brock, we actually, I actually had a listener reach out to me today and ask if they should grab uh, Pedersen in the keeper league because somebody was offering him at a ridiculously low clip, um, which I said, absolutely do. Because if people are dumb enough right now to be offering Pedersen and Malkin for nothing, you should go for it. Um, but yeah, D, I think you're completely right with Malkin. We're looking at a little bit older of a Malkin. Um, takes a couple years or t- a couple games to get legs going. Um, and, and, and obviously more over any year we're seeing that this year one thing about Malkin too is he tends to when he gets hot he gets really freaking hot so um, we could easily see this turn around and by next week's show he could be at a point per game um, you know but uh, but yeah again just chill guys uh, all all by low candidates yeah it's funny I actually had somebody point out to me like penguins suck when they're healthy they're way better when they're hurt and they're missing like Malkin and Crosby steps up or whatever well this year, they've got both Crosby and Malkin, but their entire blue line's been wiped out for the most part. Uh, they're without Marcus Pedersen. They're without Mike Matheson. They're without um, Yuso Rikola already. Like, they're fourth, fifth, and sixth or seventh defensemen. So maybe the injuries will just happen on the back end. Crosby and Malkin can stay healthy and keep playing and uh, get back on track here. But um, I'm definitely significantly less concerned about uh, Elias Pedersen. Uh, I'm not like overly concerned about Malkin, but uh, Pedersen, his shot volume is at a career high right now, which is good to see. He's playing uh, a full minute more than he was playing last year, which is also excellent up 19 and a half minutes a night. Um, I think more than anything, um, that top line just missed JT Miller in those first couple of games. He's back uh, and he looked really good last night. Uh, and then they're going again tonight. So I think more than anything, that top line just missed JT Miller. It's a big difference when you've got JT Miller playing with Elias Pedersen than when you've got Jake Furtan. Absolutely. One thing that is scary though with Pedersen is that he's now down to 53 games left. Um, you know, that's terrifying with what we've got here. Um, and I, I don't even know what the fantasy playoff like into how many games that'll be. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's scary. We hope he gets going now. There's always the concern with him, or, or for me anyway, um, because he's you know relied on a 17% shooting percentage uh, to return the uh, above average goal total he did the last two seasons. He to me he screamed of a guy who could potentially fall or slip off into like a 20 goal pace season, but should still be pretty reliable with the assists. I think he's been more unfortunate than anything else. Um, yeah, they've been getting buried at even strength, like you say, Brock. Hopefully Miller coming back will help that but they still had a 14 percent on Shit. a shooting percentage and he somehow uh managed to just get an assist off that so obviously they're not creating a ton of shots but there still have been goals um created with Pedersen on the ice and i think he's been a little bit unfortunate obviously to just not get his name on the score sheet um so someone i would definitely um keep more time to but if you can get you know the right value for him i think if you can get draft day value for Pedersen right now uh, I might be looking to move on and redraft leagues just because, like I said, with his shot volume, yes, it's a little bit up this season, um, but I, I'm not sure he's a guy that you can wait super long to come around because I just don't think the goals will be there regardless, not in the not in the way that they'll need to um, to really make this, you know, to really get him back to that, um, I guess, get the return on, on his ADP that he was given. So if you can get draft day value, I think he's worth moving, but otherwise, obviously, he's a bounce back candidate at this point. Somebody that we were all high on, uh, all I think he was in all of our top fives at the position was Dougie Hamilton coming into the season and uh, slow start for Dougie. Obviously, uh, COVID now in Carolina hurts because they're not going to be playing for a little bit. Uh, he he did, does have two assists in three games, but the thing that's the most concerning is Doug Hamilton shots. five shots in three games. What? Like Doug Hamilton? That's that's like five shots per game. What's going on here? It's like five shots per period. Um, super alarming, though. 
something that is not alarming the two as you mentioned the two power play points in three games he's still clearly the quarterback there clearly gonna get points and i can only see those shots going up that could just be another of you know just early things aren't really clicking the way they should be but i mean we've only ever seen dougie rip the puck so why should he stop yeah honestly Honestly, like, I think more than anything, um, he's just been missing the net. Like, again, he's got five shots on net, but he's attempted 17 shots. Um, so he attempted just over seven shots a game last year. Right now, he's at about 5.7. So really not that far off, especially well, he's when you right he's playing about a minute and a half less. Um, so per minute, he's probably right around that same pace, just needs to hit the net. So I'm not too worried about Dougie. To me, the most concerning thing is, is that, you know, ice time down a little bit again he's still playing just under 22 minutes a night and it's only based off three games but we were kind of hoping to see him push more to the 23 24 uh, maybe even a 25 minute mark but again obviously with a major injury last season uh, they might be wanting to ease his workload just a little bit uh, with the condensed schedule so understandable but yeah I wouldn't be too worried he just needs to hit the net I think the one thing that might have hurt him early on was we we just heard about these pucks how the pucks were bouncing and they weren't right and they whatever I, I remember because i played on the DraftKings the first two nights because he was in detroit and i'm like oh my god they're gonna win 10 yep, nothing that's game. one thing that's scary too and, and the puck was just bouncing all over the place and i was just like oh man like if only the puck would one not bounce that- on the way back to dougie hamilton he'd step into that and just you know unload on thomas grace but it just wasn't the case so maybe it was the puck are they playing at the joke it is a, they yeah, bring the ice yeah. over with those stupid ass boards everybody, um, everybody was saying yeah. like oh my god the the ice at little c's is just terrible and then the pucks like every but then i saw more and more tweets about like other reasons the ice is terrible and then the puck thing came out i was like okay maybe the ice is good i don't know what's going on but the nhl and puck tracking is just <laughs> they can't get it right they just can't do yeah, it they gave up on it for this year uh, um so they like release something for that. Well, yeah, they, but, they, uh, they get yeah. on it for now. Oh, yeah. One alarming thing about Dougie is the, that two of those games were against Detroit. Um, other than that, I, there's no like super red flags here, but I would expect him just to have huge games against, uh, no offense, Brock, one of the weaker teams in the league. So, oh, no offense. Taken. Step it up, Dougie. Although the, the Red Wings do look better than I think many people were expecting. They look, so there, there is some hope. Yeah. But thank uh, God for that uh, that Martin Luther King game. I think it allowed people to realize that the Red Wings are actually decent, and that Dylan Larkin will fight his best friend. So yeah, yeah. that was pretty hilarious. Um, okay, let's sick. keep going here though. Another team uh, that lost to the Red Wings was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Another guy that we were <laughs> very high on, and somebody who fought Dylan Larkin was Zach Werenski. Zach has been held pointless through four games. That he has eleven shots in four games. Uh, 17 shot attempts though is playing over 24 minutes a night, but it's been slow start for both Zach Rowenski and Seth Jones. Uh, should, is there any concern here? Or do you guys just chalk this one up to a slow start for the blue jackets as a whole? Yeah, no, I don't think there's any concern. Rowenski is always going to be the type of defenseman who kind of goes through these uh, pointless droughts and the production is going to come in bunches because you can't really rely on him. Um, for the, I guess the 30, 40 assists that the elite defensemen are going to provide. Uh, not really his game. His main contribute uh, or the main contributor to his fantasy value obviously is the goal scoring. So the shot volume looks good. Uh, and again, obviously with the defenseman, you can't get too upset when they go um, four or five games without a goal on ice shooting percentage, uh, shooting, uh, sitting at 5% right now. So I think that kind of explains uh, again, why we haven't seen any assists from him. Just been a little bit unfortunate across the board, like you said. Uh, for the Blue Jackets so far. So definitely, like I said, a guy that um, goats are going to happen. So definitely when you're get out uh, and know that the goals are going to come. 
Yeah, I don't got much more to add on that one. Um, the minus four through four games a little concerning, but yeah, he, he's a goal first guy. I mean, shooting the puck, everything looks to be there. It's not like Malkin where we're, we're like, he doesn't look great. Um, it's, I think it's just puck luck at this point. Yeah, it's uh, that team just hasn't looked right from the get go, and I think you know yeah. John Tortorella, one of the best coaches in the world, he'll get them going eventually. So our uh, boy uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, another Chino tonight though, Brock. That's four points in five games for him. Our Philip Forsberg uh, thing is looking looking mighty fine right now. Hey, Phil Forsberg's been red hot, bro. Are you shitting me? He's got a goal in every game this season. It's gonna be this a, is an absolute battle. It's gonna be a barn burner all year. They might never stop scoring. But um, all right, let's for just, Forsberg to go on a ten-game scoreless trip. Let's talk. I'm gonna go to B, uh, D first because these two are these two are goalies that you guys each had this year as potential uh, like sleepers or whatever you want to call them. Uh, D, we'll yeah, start with you. Yeah. Tristan Yari, 83. It's been a slow start. This is a guy you love, though. I didn't have this guy. Is, is there uh, a chance where he comes back here? Yeah, you know I've been a Casey to Smith trucer or truther since day one, but. Um, I really did like Yari coming into the season. I, I thought, you know, we've seen much more commitment from the organization to Yari in the past than to Smith. And I thought the Murray trade was just more evidence of that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's obviously, you know, it just hasn't caught his way. He's got a 727 save percentage in the first two games. Um, but we're talking about a, a two-game sample size right now. So we obviously need to see more of Yari. It hasn't helped that, obviously, his case that to Smith's playing well right now um or at least better in a full two games either it's like 1.1 game because it was just six shots in that other game yeah exactly so i mean hasn't been the best start for the penguins at even strength so far they're they're getting a little buried and like i said the the biggest issue right now is that malkin line um so hopefully if once malkin and that line figures it out or if they don't hopefully the ice time gets doled back a little bit and either way uh, should make for slightly easier work for Yari and or just Smith. And like I said, I, I still think the organization is a little bit more committed to Tristan Yari. And I don't think uh, two games in this season, especially is going to throw that off too much. Um, so I'd expect him to get another chance back between the pipes soon. Uh, and hopefully he gets it sorted. Yeah. I think, I think um, they'll be okay. I think the one thing that was maybe going to happen this year was there was a chance where Yari did take the bulk of the starts um, and he's worked it's his way out of that. So I, I think it's at the point where it's like, if you drafted him early, um, you know, expecting to be your number one, it's going to be tough to get that value because I would assume that at this point that it is going to be a lot closer to a 50, 50 uh, split than anything. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we're talking a week from now to Smith could have a bad game and you're already sure. great performances. Yeah. And all also too looks in, in line to take over the bulk of the starts again. Right. So yeah, uh, I think it's one you don't want to overreact on, but I would agree that there's obviously some, some uh, real concern here. Um, so he's another guy that if you can get something close to his draft day value, it's probably something worth doing, um, but not one that I'd be panic uh, and selling low on right now. Okay. Uh, Biebs, uh, another yeah, guy that you uh, well, had. So, oh, you I, I want to step in on Yari. Okay, sorry, sorry, I was going to go say, um, well, just, just as a whole, I think uh, I think a lot of people are thinking that Pittsburgh is the same Pittsburgh of old. Um, I think we're looking at a fringe playoff team here. We're looking at this very weak defensively. I'm not saying sell low on him right now because he definitely is at his lowest value, um, but I don't love him as a whole. And it, I, I, I just it, it seems like the test of is Tr- Tristan Yari a true starter? I mean, we're two games in. It's failed so far. As, as D said, Casey Smith has a bad game, and we're right here back with Yari. He has a couple of good games. He's starting the next seven in a row. Um, it's just it's really scary because at the same time that can apply Casey Smith for or Casey Smith for me as well. Um, you know the exact same the motto. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. As far as it goes, you got to hang on to him if you drafted him because you most likely draft him pretty early. Um, but it's it's going to be a painful waiting game, and uh, and I'm just not huge on the Pittsburgh as a team whole right now. Too many injuries, um, and they're just they're. Their, their depth just isn't quite there. Their blue line just their bottom sucks. six is terrifying. Blue line that's too. Terrible. Even when it's healthy, I mean, like it's you, fine. It's you, fine. You, you named three guys who were hurt a second ago, and I sat here going, "Okay, well, that's their sixth. Well, Marcus Pe- Marcus Pedersen's a big is a big loss. Like they need yeah, but, uh, Pedersen and Marino are good, but without like they had they came into the season with Matheson and Cece as their bottom pair, and that's terrifying. That's what they I mean, might have yeah, been better yeah. off with Jack Johnson. And that's saying something. But um, let's talk about D, uh, D or Beeb. Sorry, another guy that you were fairly high on. You had him, I think, as a breakout this year. Has struggled out of the gate. Thatcher Demko. Yep. You got anything to add on him? Um, I'm really not too worried. Just I would be a lot more worried if Braden Holpe was actually doing something. Currently has an 892 save percentage, two losses. Just looks absolute trash. Sorry, Holpe. I don't mean to shit on you, but he looks terrible out there. Um, if people were watching that game last night, it was just chewed out against Montreal. Is absolute bonkers. Um, Thatcher Demko for me. I mean, obviously they are committing a little bit more to Holpe than I thought, but I could see that sway. And uh, he's a guy where I could see him stay, t- continuing to take a few more starts. He really hasn't had the chance. Um, and he's kind of, I think he's still waiting in the background while Holpe shits the bed here. So, uh, so for but me, Demko hasn't done um, anything to help his case either. I think he's given up nine goals in two games. They've he both has, he hasn't. Yeah, they've both been terrible. That's what's kind of – it's weird that both of them being terrible almost helps Demko more just because we talked about it at the beginning of the year. They got to commit – he's kind of their long-term commitment. But, yeah, if he can't pull it together, I'm going to start worrying. If that team can't pull it together, um, as far as – they just can't hold the lead. It's pretty, well, so pretty bad. I, I think the thing I was going to add on Demko and Holby is <laughs> I saw a tweet like almost uh, maybe two starts into Holby's career, and it was just like the underlying numbers for, for uh, Vancouver like as a whole mm-hmm. – on defense Not and they're just good. atrocious he's like so the me yeah. it was like a tweet or a meme or whatever and it was like what have i gotten myself and, into and it was holtby so right now they're giving up and they uh, haven't even played the leafs yet that's no. the leafs are the most terrifying offensive team in that division so you know, <laughs> have yeah. fun at 5v5 right now they're giving up the second most scoring chances against per 60 and the second most high danger chances against so um they're really leaving their goalies hung out to dry so i think it is kind of more of a, a an issue with this the might as, be the year to have thatcher maybe so you're not worried about him is what you're saying. That's good. That's good for anybody. I mean, I'm not 52% I'm worried, are... but I'm not like, I mean, I'm worried about this team as a whole, but at the same time, if you're grabbing Thatcher Demko, you better have been your third or fourth goalie. Like you better not be wrong Thatcher Demko. If that's the case, fuck, you might as well just give your fees in now and, and, and quit. <laughs> okay. You let, let him know, <laughs> well, but he's a backup goalie, but he's yeah. a, he's the, a good backup goalie and one with the most potential to take the starting position in my opinion. But I just, that Canadian division, Brock, you warned us, D you warned us. Um, it's high scoring. It's freaking terrifying and goal. Yeah. Enjoy I, the, I was the not a fan. You get on the back of your neck. Not a fan the of the goalies lights. in that league, but all right. Um, just two more guys. We don't have to go too in depth. Uh, we saw Tony D'Angelo. He got benched uh, for a couple games. It does look like he's going to get back in the lineup tomorrow, um, but he has officially lost his spot on power play so much stock in this guy fuck yeah so adam fox appears to have taken the spot on power play one at least for now uh so tony d'angelo is probably somebody that i would be trying to uh unhitch right now but i don't think he's got any value at this point so you might as well hold on to him um and then ryan strome is another guy who's gotten off to a terrible start in new york uh but he still seems to be uh attached at the hip with artemi panarin and so long as 21 minutes a game still 
Yeah. So exactly. As long as That's you spend your time with uh, Artemi Panarin, then you should be fine there. But um, all right, let's take a break here. We're going to fire it over to the Blue Stones briefly. Uh, I, we just got uh, like a review on our Apple like podcasting and it was just like new listener podcast, uh, like something about how the podcast is fine, like essentially, <laughs> but the, the Blue Stones are just absolute fire. And I just, that made me laugh. So enjoy the Blue Stones here hey. for the next 60 seconds. When we get back, we're going to go through uh, a list of wave of wire pickups. Broken down, so I walked the line. I dropped my wounds and I down. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground. gentlemen to season six episode eight of the daily face-off podcast hope you guys enjoyed those blue stones uh we are going to get to some early season waiver wire pickups or at least guys that you should be flagging uh and keeping an eye on uh, on your waiver wire so uh i've got a large list that i don't have too much to say on each guy i just wanted to make sure i mentioned them so i'll, I'll kind of let you guys uh take over here talk about your waiver wire pickups and then i'll uh I'll clean it up here at the end. So, D, why don't we start with you? Who is the top of your waiver wire list right now? Um, so, the one guy, and I, he's pretty widely available still at this point, that I, I really want to talk about is Anthony Duclair. Um, we talked about him a little bit in the preseason, but maybe not as much attention as we should have uh, given him, uh, considering that we've you know kind of been big fans of him. We definitely pushed him a lot last season in Ottawa. Um, and he's off to a really solid start in Florida. They've played just two games but he did pick up a pair of assists the other night uh, and he's got seven shots on goal in those two games uh and he's really just playing in an ideal spot right now settling in where we thought he would on bark right wing on the panthers top line uh he's got 16 minutes and 22 minutes or sorry 16 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time so far through these first two games which is almost identical to what he averaged last year with ottawa uh a season where he registered 184 shots in 66 games uh, and he picked up 23 goals and 17 assists so he proved last year he's capable of maintaining elite shot volume uh and being a good producer without playing a ton of minutes uh and of course there's still room for his ice time to grow this year as he continues to get settled in in florida uh, he's been limited to playing on the Panthers second power play unit, which is probably about the only knock you can find on his value at the moment. Uh, but when you look at the top unit, it's pretty easy to imagine him replacing Patrick Hornquist or even one of the two defensemen, Keith Gandel or Aaron Ekblad um, at some point in the not so distant future. So uh, I just think there's a lot of upside for Duclair um, and the waiver wire is pretty um, 
stricken of that right now. Uh, even if yeah. he doesn't get that uptick in usage, like I said, he should still be a very serviceable fantasy player this year. Uh, and he's still just 30% owned, carries dual wing eligibility in Yahoo. Um, so I think it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, uh, the one thing I was going to mention, you kind of alluded to it, was so like remember how I'm sure everybody heard that they were basically going to end Keith Handel's Iron Man streak by healthy scratching him, and at the last minute uh, they brought him back into the fold, and he went back on power play one. Well, when he was kind of out of the loop there for a bit, it was Duclair on power play one next to Ekblad, um, and then kind of just got forced back to PP two. So if Yandel does end up falling out of favor there again, uh, it will be Duclair on PP one, and then at that point, um, yeah, or that. Um, then his his value will take a boost. So I think that yeah, that's a I think that's a definite terrific pickup right now. Do it now before that any of that stuff happens. So he's already on your roster uh, when he gets that bump. Uh, but Beeps, who are you looking to pick up on the wire? Me, um, I had mentioned a Detroit Red Wing just for Brock, but also because this is an absolute again bonkers own percentage. But on Yahoo, Tyler Tuzzi, twenty six percent owned across all boards. This is a guy where it it it, it, it wasn't a surprise all year that he was going to be first line, first power play. We knew it. We saw Mass Product talked about him a few episodes ago. That line is is very good and well not not so much this year but they are a very good line in detroit if they're on any other team it would be amazing to watch but the mantha larkin bertuzzi line is what i'm talking about the one thing that i do really like about bertuzzi here and we saw it the other night him and larkin play together on the three on three in ot i mentioned it for cap but i'm gonna have to mention it for bertuzzi too we saw him get a game-winning goal um in overtime and that uh, i'm in a couple leagues where that that's three categories you knocked off there are two categories of winning goal and a goal um that that just really help your team and for guys 26 percent owned that's absolutely ridiculous he's just going to get the ice time he's around 20 minutes per night uh, we talked about you know ryan strom if he's playing those type of minutes at, or at well, in new york i also like someone playing those type of minutes on top power play and on the top line indie um, he's going to hurt your hurt your plus minus but uh i never take that into factor as we know so uh for me just keep it on tyler bertuzzi 20 goals in his last two seasons he's clearly uh he, he has a nose for the net um he's not just a grindy grind guy um and uh and i've just really liked what he's done out there i could use a little bit more than his nine shots through flames but um at the same time larkin looks like a whole new beast this year and if they're going to feed off each other give me all of that baby yeah, uh, they were broken up to start last game. They ended up uh, getting back together towards together, the end yeah. and stuff, and then in, in overtime as well. But when that line's together, they are – like, no one knows it, but they are one of the best lines in hockey. And uh, Especially with Larkin this year. Um, I, I, the numbers aren't – like, I mean, he has a point per game, but he's playing better at a point per game level right now. Easy. He looks like – he's a, he's a beast there. Uh, well, that C, I, I that like C on his chest, it might as well be an S. He looks like Superman out there. Happy baby. <laughs> uh, <right>. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, All right. I wanted to mention Alexander. So does Cogs. <laughs> Alexander Romanoff, 39% owned out of Montreal, uh, especially in, in hits leagues or in keeper leagues. Uh, he brings some added value. Uh, he's got one goal, two, one goal, one assist in his first four games, but is averaging over three shots per game right now and averaging um, – almost uh five hits a night on some nights yeah, he's, a, uh, he's just looking to kill people out there sorry four, awesome. four hits a night but still um he's been yeah he's been running around and all the montreal beat reporters have been saying like this i've never seen like a more fearless rookie come to the league and just like 
just not give a shit, just go out there um, and not care. So he, he, you know, uh, D you mentioned it. He is buried a little bit on the depth chart behind Petrie and Weber who play on the top power play unit. Uh, but they do have a pretty good second power play unit with, you know, the likes of Josh Anderson, um, you know, yes, Barry Cockney and, uh, at just 30% on, I'm sure he is available in some keeper leagues and stuff like that. And if he is, he definitely needs to be picked up. Uh, but he, if you are in one of those banger leagues, which we don't talk about very often, so I'm sure we don't have a lot of you, but uh, he has been prolific in that category as well. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, as much as they want to talk about that he is a rookie, that looks like he's not a rookie in the NHL right now, he still is a rookie that's a rookie in the NHL. So he should see, you know, a little bit of confidence, a few more things happen, um, especially for those banger leagues too, Brock. The hits, I could see the hits coming up as he starts to learn the league a little bit more, um, times league out. Um, as a whole, though, room of looking exciting, very, very – he's one of those players where everyone should just watch him for a game. Maybe not fantasy own him, but keep an eye on him. But, uh, but definitely watch this dude. He's – He's an excellent. Um, yeah, and then I also have another guy. I don't know, Brock, if you want to drop a few more, but I have, I have another quick mentions around that same own percentage there. Um, Dan Ryanov and Rupe Hints are currently both on the Dallas Stars, who, uh, as we all know, haven't played a game of hockey yet. Um, and these are two guys who are playing first line, first power, but it's especially Dennis Garyanov. Um, he's a shoot first guy. He is the first shooting option right now on power play one, or at least we think, I mean, no one really definitely knows. haven't played a game, but uh, he should be um, Tyler Sagan's out over there. Definitely someone you have to grab now before, uh, before they come back. And Brock mentioned it, we were talking about it in the off part, but this is going to, uh, this is going to affect a lot of people, but Dallas has to come back and play at some point here. And when they do, they're going to come back heavy, going to be some heavy back backs. We might see a five game week, four game week, whatever. It's still a lot for a roster. So if you get Gary Onov and you get him playing constant power play every night um, and, and you're getting five games a week from him, there's going to be a couple weeks there where you're just going to be able to slot him and, and laugh as you're like, Holy shit, Dallas plays a lot um yeah so just wanted to throw that quick those quick two guys in there um let's not forget that the stars exist yeah beebs uh absolutely love him but i like somebody else more and that's drake batherson in ottawa just 11 percent owned at least as of yesterday uh drake batherson on the top line in ottawa he's playing just under 18 minutes a night to start the season the most impressive thing about Drake Batherson is 13 shots in his first three games. Uh, no goals to show for it just yet, but the shot volume is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, he is a kid that has put up big numbers um, at you know basically every single stop of his, uh, his, mm-hmm. his pro hockey career. He had 54 points, 16 goals, 38 assists, and just 44 AHL games a season ago. Uh, you know, Ottawa's top line does look pretty solid early on on a shooting percentage is just 7.4%. So there are more goals, uh, to be had. They are controlling the puck. They're clearly the best line in Ottawa, um, which, you know, might not be saying too, too much. Uh, but still, you know, he plays on the top power play unit with, uh, Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat. Uh, and the shot volume is just really what gets me excited here. 13 shots in three games is amazing. Um, and you know, the usage, you know, for a guy that came into the season with just 43 career NHL games for him to be playing 18 minutes a night, uh, is terrific stuff. So I like Drake Batherson a lot. D I know you like him as well. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's definitely the one name that pops out to me. If you're really looking for the deeper leagues or the lower end, maybe that 20, 15, 10% ownership rate. Um, I just think, like you say, he offers is more upside and as at this point given the role that he's seemingly uh, has on this team right now um more reliable than anyone else you could probably find on the wire obviously plus minus isn't going to be great so you might have to take that in consideration depending on the format uh, of your league but like you say everything just looks good right now 
Um, even, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of him before this year, played just 43 games, but still basically managed a half a point per game uh, while only playing 14 minutes a night. So uh, a guy that I was kind of excited to see if they would give him a lot more run this season. It looks like they are. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with the minutes. Everything looks good in the underlying numbers. Uh, so, yeah, going to be playing a ton, shoots the puck a lot, so it should go well. But, yeah, like I said, I, I thought it was a little bit tough to kind of find that reliability or that upside in the 10, 15, 20% ownership range, which is really a shame because this is normally the type of season where you can actually find some decent value on the wire. Um, but if I did have to find someone else or I have to pump someone else's tires, I definitely would offer Oscar Lindblom. Uh, he's off the hot start. He's got two goals, one assist in the Love Flyers' that. first uh, three games. The reason I'm really hesitant is I, I really don't expect him uh, to be able to maintain that sort of production this year. He's picked up just six shots on net, averaging less than 15 minutes a night. But uh, nevertheless, like I said, there's just not a lot of options out there right now in deeper leagues. Uh, he is firmly rooted in the top six of what is a red-hot Flyers team. Uh, they've, they've got 15 goals in their first four games. Uh, he's been seeing some time on the top power play unit as well. Uh, and we already saw him start to assume a larger role last season. He averaged over 17 minutes a night through the first 30 games before he obviously uh, was sidelined for the remainder of the regular season. So it's not a slam dunk of a pickup by any means. Um, I, I think he clearly has the trust of this coaching staff, though, and he's put up decent underlying numbers in the past. Uh, and I just think he seems more likely than anyone, again, aside from Batherson, uh, in this ownership range uh, to grow into a meaningful top line role this season. Um, so one to keep an eye on for sure. I love it. And, and honestly, D, I think, uh, I, I think too, he might just be, they might be still protecting. I mean, this is one of the guys who, if we talk about people who need preseason, if we say that Malkin needed preseason, he, um, Oscar Lindbaum, especially needed preseason missed 39, the last 39 games last year. Um, you know, it, it's tough to get back in the NHL and, uh, and he's looking this good while coming back. So definitely someone who I can see rising, someone who they give more minutes to as he gets more comfortable as everything around him kind of gets more comfortable. Um, so definitely, definitely someone who could, who would help his already great stats. And, uh, yeah, if anyone knows and they listened last year, we were huge on this guy before, uh, before the unfortunate events happened. So we'd love to see him back there. Um, great, great low percentage pickup for sure yeah somebody uh, if you guys are looking for for d help uh rasmus anderson he's been a guy we we talk about a lot when we play DraftKings. uh huh, not so much season long because he hasn't really been uh been there but this year he's kind of taken his game to a whole nother level uh the departure of tj brody has really expanded his role he's playing almost 21 uh almost 22 minutes a night right now He's got three points in his first three games. He's also the quarterback on the top power play unit ahead of Mark Giordano. So Rasmus Anderson, uh, you know, played about 20 minutes a night last year, uh, was kind of one of the most unknown, underappreciated. Um, yeah, this was the guy they were mad about. People were mad about $4 million. Like, what are we giving $4 million this guy? And he's now in top Yeah. Player. Oh, yeah. And he, he is one of the best, most underrated uh, defensemen in the NHL, in my opinion. And that and, dude can hit. Yeah, and he just he, – he has an absolute – uh, rocket of a slap shot. So it looks really good. Uh, and I think the, the, you know, almost as important as his newfound role is just been kind of the uh, reemergence uh, of some of Calgary's top players. You know, we talked about how uh, Gaudreau should be in for a bounce back season. Uh, same can be said for Happening. Monaghan and so far. So it, it, it's, it's come to fruition. Uh, so, you know, so long as those guys are playing well, that top power play unit should continue to produce and Rasmus Anderson, um, you know, I don't think I mentioned his own percentage. He's only 13% owned right now. It's almost impossible to find a guy in the top power play unit, uh, especially a pretty good unit 
that that's low. That's that is that low owned. So I like Rasmus Anderson at thirteen percent. Uh, Biebs, you got one more to add? I got one more. Also a super 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 deep one. Um, we're talking about top power plays. Adam Boquist out in Chicago. He only has two shots on net here but he also has two points because he is on that top power play unit again this is more of a super deep like so deep that we're you have a 45 man roster deep kind of looking at thing but definitely someone to keep an eye on if he could get more than 14 minutes a night in chicago he's going to be a minus six every game but he will have uh <laughs> he definitely has the offensive ability but my main guy that i wanted to mention out in columbus um it's crazy that i'm mentioning someone on a team that has only eight goals in four games but it's alex tessier I believe I said it right. Um, only 6% owned. He is the, uh, I believe he's the highest French picked player ever as a second round draft pick um, from the country of France, which is, again, just wild. We don't see a lot of hockey players come from. I was there. so confused. But, uh, I was like, <laughs> like, so many yeah, guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I had to mention that. I was like, yeah, he's from literal France. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so again, only eight goals in four games for Columbus, but this guy has been in on 50% of those goals with three goals and one assist in that time, none of which have come on a power play. Um, he's getting 16 minutes of ice, 16 and a half minutes of ice time right now on average. Um, and one thing we've seen, out in Columbus is the PLD saga. Um, we wanted to see this guy. Uh, we we want to see PLD have a huge year, but it seems like some things might be going a little a little awry over there. He's be, we saw him get one shift in the third period. The other, there has to be minutes for guys who are putting up goals, and that's what Alex Tessier is doing right now. He's only 21 years old. Again, six percent owned. I'm not saying sprint. Uh, you're in a 10 man league. Don't pick up this guy, but keep an eye on him for now. He definitely um, is one of the more noticeable players out there when they do play. And it does seem like Torres is gaining more trust every game uh, I've watched with them. So I like keeping an eye on Tessier, uh, three goals in four games again. Uh, someone someone who definitely has a, a super high ceiling for being 6% owned right now. Yeah, Torres does seem to really trust him. And he kind of, uh, he, he's so versatile. Like he plays either wing or center. So yeah. uh, he kind of fills any single role uh, that Torch needs. Uh, again, I'm just going to roll through these last couple guys I got to talk about super fast. Uh, right around that same own percentage, just 6% owned right now. Jordan Cairo uh, in St. Louis. He's currently on the second line with crazy. Uh, Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz. He currently leads the Blues in points with four points in four games. Uh, not a guy that's all, you know, never really been, uh, as like a guy, a shot volume guy. Uh, so you're not going to get a ton of shots out of them. You're not going to probably even get a ton of goals out of them. Uh, but playing with those Point two guys at every level. Yeah, exactly. He's a guy that absolutely yeah. was terrific in the world juniors in 2018. Uh, he's put up, yeah. you know, point per game numbers almost, uh, in two parts of two seasons at, at the AHL level. So, uh, he's a guy that just kind of has scored at every single level. He's, he's super fast plays uh, with Shannon Schwartz, which is a really nice spot to be in. Uh, so I, you know, in super deep leagues and dynasty leagues and keeper leagues at 6%, Jordan Cairo is a guy. Uh, we're kind of just in this first episode trying to hit all your leagues. And then throughout the season, we'll continue to to talk about uh, own percentages in different ranges. But the, the last guy I wanted to talk about, I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the show was uh, Cam Talbot, still only 56% owned thus far. Uh, the reason I like Talbot is that even in games that they're not going to win, they're going to lose, you know, two to one <laughs> because they don't really give up a whole lot. Uh, right now, only the St. Louis Blues are giving up less scoring chances 
Um, against for games time there. Yeah. And they're giving up the least high danger chances for um, in the NHL right now. So they're just a team that really limits you offensively. They're not a fun team to watch, uh, but Talbot's usually kind of just a plug and play. You know, you're not going to get burned too bad for by him. Um, and I think he's just really one of the most underappreciated goalies. Like he's had some really strong numbers over the years. And I think that that pickup for, uh, Minnesota was really kind of under the radar. I know Michael Russo, he's one of the, uh, you know, the premier reporters out in Minnesota. And I think the first or second Stead. game Cam, Dal- Cam Talbot started, he goes, boy, Cam Talbot is not Alex Daylock, like who, who they basically had to ride <laughs> last year. He's like, this kid is good. So um, I like Cam Talbot if, if you need goaltending help at just 56% owned. Do you guys have any other waivers to talk about or is it time to, to head out and watch hockey? I think it's time to head out and watch the Avs uh, win their third straight. <laughs> All right. Well, and, that w- and Bo and Byram premiere. That was season six. Yeah, Bo and Byram, I forgot about that. Season six, episode I'm eight of the excited. Daily Faceoff podcast presented to you by our friends at Oddshark. Uh, stay tuned after the break. I am going to talk to Sandy from Owner's Box a little bit. Uh, talk about how you can get involved with Owner's Box. Uh, and start winning some money over there because you know it, it, if let's say you've got Andre Svechnikov, it's so fun, and you've got uh, or you've got Alex Ovechkin who might be out for four games, and your fan your season long fantasy team is looking like it's in the dumps right now. You can kind of head over to Owner's Box and just draft a whole brand new team for the next couple of weeks. So uh, we'll talk to Sandy here after the break. But I'm Brock Seekin. We got Dylan D. Berthy, Michael Bean, Bonnie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys back here next week. Ooh, that Byram premiere. Ooh. daily face-off podcast i am once again joined by sandy from owner's box how you doing sandy good brock how you doing good busy hockey's back we're one week in it's been fun but uh, it's been a lot it's a little bit different this year i think owner's box uh really is going to take advantage this year because all people are already getting fed up with all of this covid stuff going around i mean the dallas stars haven't even played a game their first game is scheduled to be tonight on friday uh the carolina hurricanes already having games postponed the washington capitals uh, four of their best players are out due to COVID. Uh, so I think, I, I know I tweeted it out today, like you need to go to owner's box and, you know, draft some more teams because the way the season's going right now, it's going to be a long haul with uh, the way the COVID is, is going through the NHL right now. For sure. Yeah. And I think a lot in our format, it's cool because, you know, you're seeing these injuries, you're seeing players resting, COVID canceling games. You're also seeing that in the NBA. It's pretty much across the board for all the sports running right now. So the good thing about our format, you know, as I've said before on the pod, is that you can start a contest any single day and you're able to drop the players that injured. And it doesn't really hurt you um, in the long term because you're only playing over the course of a week. So that's kind of the cool positioning of our product is you're able to adjust um, based on these, you know, games getting canceled based on players not playing and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of 
a big advantage of our platform. And we've seen a lot of users um, like that format a lot, just because it doesn't really hinder them for the whole season, as you mentioned earlier. For sure. So next week, we are planning on launching our very first uh, daily face-off podcast, uh, Hosts versus Listeners League on Owner's Box. Uh, it's going to be 16 people, uh, which spans over the course of four weeks. Uh, it's going to be a $5 entry, but I'm not very good at explaining it. So Sandy, why don't you take over and just explain exactly how the 16-man format works, uh, how the payouts work, and everything like that. Yeah, so for your example, it's a $5 entry free. Um, each user, each of the 16 users puts up that $5 entry free. And how it works is you go through a live snake draft um, with everyone in the draft and you pick obviously 16 teams um, with the users and then they go through, it's like a March Madness format. So anything over a head to head, if it's bigger than a two user contest, it goes over the course of multiple weeks. So in the 16 user contest, that's our largest contest size. And it goes over the course of four weeks. So basically you play head to head matchup against someone in the first week. If you win, you get paid and you advance um, and so on and so forth. So it's very similar to March Madness where it's, it's elimination style. Um, and basically to win the contest, you have to win the three weeks and then you go to the championship and you win the fourth week, you, you win and get paid. But the cool thing about our format is you don't actually have to win the whole contest to win money, which is really, really cool. So if you're if you win the if you win the first week you advance if you win the second week you get your entry fee back which is five dollars in this example um, and if you win that week you, you double your money again in week three you get paid another five dollars and then if you win the whole contest you win forty two dollars so there's a, a it's a really high increase um, of payout as you advance and you'll notice that you're making money um, even though you're not winning the whole contest so a lot of users will love that part of the format um, and as I said you know sixteen teams is four weeks. You play head to head, you, you match up against someone um, for one for seven days. And if you win, you advance. So it's pretty straightforward in that regard. Um, but the cool thing, as I said, is you do not have to win the whole thing to get get prizes and get real money. So I think that's the cool um, positioning of our product here. Well, yeah, especially because they're going to be going up head to head against me. So uh, chances of them winning the whole thing seem low at that point. So if they, you know, if, even if they only win a couple of weeks, they're still going to get their monies back and, and make some money on it. Um how does the matchups work in terms? So if we have 16 people, how does it generate the first, uh, the first week's matchup? Is it completely random? Yeah, it randomizes. So basically it has nothing to do with draft order or anything like that. It's, it's randomized after the draft is completed. You'll see, it'll be like a little ticker will come up and it will be like kind of a roulette wheel and it will, it will show up and then you'll get your matchup for that week. And then, as I said, you advance, it's like a bracket format. So you'll see, you can see the progression of the bracket in the bracket tab on the contest. And you'll notice like if you win, you'll know who you play next week and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's basically just identical to March Madness in that regard as you advance, which is pretty cool. Super cool. Um, all right. So yeah, for all the listeners, be sure maybe uh, this week, uh, it'd be a good time to go over and join owner's box, get familiar with the product if you haven't already, because like I said, next week, I believe either Thursday or Friday, we're going to be launching our very first daily face off podcast host versus listeners league. Uh, so the three of us, me, Biebs and Dylan will all be there. And the 13 of you, the first 13 that show up, uh, Put in your five bucks and we'll be ready to go. Uh, Sandy, before I let you go, I know you're a big football guy. Uh, Dylan, Biebs, and myself, also big football guys. And we've got the conference championships in the NFL this week. Uh, the first game is the Green Bay Packers versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Green Bay is favored by minus three and a half. Do you have any preference in that game? Yes. Well, just full disclosure, I'm a Packers fan, so I am a little biased. But I'm, there's no chance I'm going to bet the Bucs this week. Um, that said, I did bet the Packers on Monday this week and I got them at minus three, but I still do um, like minus three and a half and I would take them there. 
Um, and then the night game, I, I took Buffalo at um, I took Buffalo at plus nine and a half and a teaser with the Packers at plus three and a half, which make a teaser is basically you get six points in your favor um, on both lines, but it's like a parlay where you have to win both. So that's kind of my for NFL betting. That's my favorite type of bet is when you bet two outcomes and then you get better points in your favor. So that's my main bet. But as I said, I like the Bills and the Packers to cover this week personally. Yeah, I'm a big teaser guy as well. I actually did a, a huge teaser a couple uh, weeks ago uh, in the divisional round when uh, and I, I I did the, the games and the total and it was so it was eight games and or like eight totals um, and it was looking great until all of a sudden the uh, the Browns and the Steelers just went absolutely insane. I had the under and even though it was like teased up to like sixty or something, it still got crushed. So uh, it looked like it was going to be a good day for me. And then it just got crushed. Teasers are a good way to do it. I wish uh, there was something like that for hockey, but unfortunately it's not. So you like the Packers and the Bills this weekend. Um, I'm a Lions fan, so I don't like the Packers very much, but I do love Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I do love Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So they're just so terrific. So I like the Packers as well. Um, And if you, if you can see, obviously the the listeners can't, I do have a Patrick Mahomes jersey over my left shoulder. So I'm going to go Kansas city so long as he's playing. Although I do love Bill's mafia. They're just terrific. So uh, a little bit of bonus uh, NFL coverage on the DFO podcast this week. Uh, Sandy, it's always nice to chat with you. Looking forward to uh, our first contest next week. Um, and uh, I'm sure that you'll be there to, to help any of the listeners out uh, if they need a hand trying to, uh, to join um, the contest. But, um, you know, your, your product is extremely straightforward and user-friendly, so I, I think that I could probably handle that. So, Sandy, it has been terrific talking to you once again. I can't wait to talk to you again next week and can't wait to uh, beat all the listeners' asses in, in owner's box for the next month. <laughs> Love it, Brock. Thanks for having me on and look forward to seeing that contest go off. Everyone, hope you have a good time and win some money against Brock. Take it <laughs> Good luck. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.